All right. I was going to preach on a lot of different things, but specifically I was not going to preach on worship, you know, because that's what the worship leader is supposed to do, right, is preach on worship. And then the Lord told me, hey, you need to preach on worship. <laughs> and so I was like, really? But, um, but I am. I'm going to preach on worship this morning. But before I do that, uh, I'm gonna, I need to tell you a really serious story here. Um, <clears throat> there was a man, and he was being tailgated by a stressed-out woman on a busy boulevard. And suddenly the light turned yellow just in front of him. So he did the right thing, stopping at the crosswalk, even though he could have beaten the red light by accelerating through the intersection. The tailgating woman was furious and honked her horn, screaming in frustration as she missed her chance to get through the intersection, dropping her cell phone and makeup. <laughs> as she was still in mid-rant, she heard a tap on her window and looked up into the face of a very serious police officer. The officer ordered her to exit her car with her hands up. He took her to the police station where she was searched, fingerprinted, photographed, and placed in a holding cell. After a couple hours, the policeman approached the cell and opened the door. She was escorted back to the booking desk where the arresting officer was waiting with her personal effects. He said, I am so very sorry for this mistake. You see, I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing your horn and flipping the guy off in front of you and cussing a blue streak at him, and I noticed. What would Jesus do? Bumper sticker. And the Choose Life license plate holder the follow me to Sunday school bumper sticker and the chrome-plated Christian fish emblem on the trunk. So naturally, I assumed the car was stolen. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Have mercy on us. Amen. Uh, the title of this message this morning is The Greatest Hindrance of Worship. Um, you know, the first thing I would like to do is I'd like to start out with uh, a definition of worship. I've heard a lot of different definitions of worship. Some are quite long and complicated. Some are pretty simple. But this is by far the best definition that I believe I've personally ever heard and related with. And I want to define it like this. Worship is love expressed. Two words. It's love and then it's expressed. If it's not love, it's not worship. And if it's not expressed, if it doesn't get out of our hearts, then it's really not worship. And so it's that simple. Two words, love expressed. You know, this last week was um, Valentine's. And so, men, I hope all of you here maybe did a little bit of something for your wife. If you didn't, I'm so sorry I even brought it up this morning. But hopefully you did. Hopefully you expressed your love to your wife in some way or another. Because, you know, the fact is, if... Any of us, if we loved our spouse and we really did love them, like in our heart we felt this great love for them. In our mind we knew like, oh, I, I love them. I love them dearly. I'd do anything for them. But we never said it or never expressed it or never did anything to show them that love. I bet you they wouldn't stay with us very long. You know what I'm saying? We have to express our love for our spouse. Is that correct? Can somebody say amen? It's the same way with the Lord, I think. He wants us to express our love for him. And I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about the expression part. I want to talk about, you know, I could give you my opinion. I could give you my personal favorite expressions. But instead of doing any of that, I just want to open up the word of God and see what it has to say about worship. The thing is, is that I can only hit a few points because the word of God is literally 
it's just full of worship. It's just full of worship of all different kinds. I love it. It's full of it. But I just want to hit a few of the high points, a few of the big ones today. So um, are you guys with me so far? All right, here we go. We're going to start with expressions uh, of worship. The first one is lifting hands. I want to read some scripture here. Psalm 28.2 says, Hear the voice of my supplication when I cry to you, when I lift up my hands towards your holy sanctuary. And we can put these words on the screen, please. Psalm 134.2 says, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. I love that. That's one of my personal favorites. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. You know, we did that a while ago with that song, 10,000 Reasons. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Um, it's such a great song and a great scripture. Psalm 141.2 says, Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Lamentations 3.41 says, Let us lift our hearts and our hands to God in heaven. Um, lifting, I mean, there's tons of them. I could, I could read scriptures for maybe 30, 45 minutes on lifting hands. I just want to give you some examples. But, you know, if you were doing something and all of a sudden a policeman showed up out of nowhere and pointed his gun at you and said, freeze, what would you do? Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, you, that's the universal I think lifting hands is probably the universal sign for surrender. It's like, I, I'm totally at your disposal. And I think with the Lord, it's the same thing. It's just, it's just simply saying with our, with our expression, God, I, I surrender to you. I'm yours totally. Whatever you want to do, I, I just surrender to you. And, and that's basically all it is, just just simply saying surrender. Let's keep going. Bowing down, uh, Nehemiah 8, 6 says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Psalm 95, verse 6 says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. You know, bowing down, it's like in a worship service, say in our music this morning, you know, it's honestly, it's not like conducive to, to bow down in this place. Well, first of all, the concrete floor is not the best place to bow down. I don't know about you, but it's not for me. And then, you know, the chairs are in front of you and people all around you. But I'm telling you, bowing down is an expression of worship that is so wonderful. Um, sometimes when we have altar ministry and there's people praying up here, I've seen couples come down together and bow down at the altar and pray. I've seen people bow down, just moved by the Spirit of the Lord and, and step out and just bow down wherever they can, they can in worship. And I, but let me, let me say this. Worship does not only happen in this place on Sunday mornings. Worship can be happening and should be happening every day of our lives in our private place, you know what I'm saying? Like in the morning before we get up and before the kids get up and start bothering me and, and all that stuff. It's like that's when real worship should happen. And I'm telling you, the Lord may ask you to bow down in your personal worship time. He may ask you to bow down in a corporate time. But either way, bowing before the Lord is such a great sign of humbling ourselves before the Lord. You know, it says in Philippians um, 2, 9 through 11 that 
basically at the end, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to wait to bow until then. I want to start bowing now, like pre-bowing. Let's go ahead and get it on. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's not wait. Let's do it now. Amen? Humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. That's what the word of God says. So bowing, it's such a great sign of humility. And let me tell you, it takes humility to do it. But it's great. It's a great expression of worship before our God. Um, clapping. I didn't do very many scriptures on this because there's so many of them. But Psalm 47.1 says, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord, the Most High, is awesome. He is the great king over all the earth. Uh, let's move on. Shouting. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. Psalm 32.11 says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. 33.3 says, Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. 35.27, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause, and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. I love that. 47.1 says, oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Um, the last scripture, 95.1 says, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Um, shouting. Let me tell you a story. I have a friend. I mean, I know him. He's not like my buddy buddy, but he, he would know me. I'd know him. His name's Robert. Robert's a pastor in Dallas. And Robert has an elder, or he did have an elder or a, a deacon. And, you know, they have this exuberant worship going on, you know, and everybody's shouting and clapping and singing. It's just, it's really great worship. And this particular elder, he... He, he didn't do that. He would stand in the back, you know, with his hands down or in his pockets or his arms crossed, and he would never, ever do any of that. And so Robert took him to lunch and said, hey, you know, you're an elder here, you're a deacon here, and I, I just noticed, you know, in worship, you, you don't seem like, is something wrong, you know? You don't seem like you're liking any of this. And he said, oh, no, oh, no, I love I love to worship. I love the presence of the Lord. I love everything that's going on. I'm just of a reverent nature. And Robert said, okay, that's cool. I, that's, that's fine. I understand that. And so a couple weeks later, this gentleman called him and said, hey, Robert, I got tickets to the Dallas Cowboys game. You want to go? Robert, yeah. And so they're at the game. And lo and behold, some miracle of nature, the Cowboys make a good play. I don't know how it happened, but they did. And this gentleman, the deacon, he stands up and lifts his hands and says, yes, you know, and shouts and claps. And Robert, he just sits down and he folds his arms together. And the guy looked down at him and said, what's wrong with you? He said, I'm of a reverent nature. <laughs> and I think it's funny that we can go to an event and get crazy over a pigskin and shout and jump and clap and it'd be all right. But when we come into the presence of the most high God, for some reason, we feel inhibited to shout and clap and lift up our hands and get crazy excited for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
I'm telling you, he is worthy of the most high praise, more worthy than shouting at a football or a basketball game. Amen? Um, Singing. Let me say this before I move on. I've been leading worship for probably 16 years, and I've had the privilege of leading worship in a lot of different churches. And I am not exaggerating one bit when I say you guys are the best singers I've ever experienced, hands down. Hands down. You are amazing, amazing singers. And I want you to know I really appreciate that as your worship pastor. Um, When I first started here, we didn't have in-ear monitors yet. We just had the the floor wedges. And um, so I remember one moment when we were all singing and literally you guys were singing so loud that you drowned it out my monitor, and I couldn't hear myself anymore, and I thought, this is so cool. Like, I can't even hear myself. This is wonderful. So kudos to you guys. You're a great singer. Had to get a drink there. Um, Singing. Let's read a few scriptures on that. Psalm 30, verse 4 says, Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks to the remembrance of his holy name. 30.12 says, to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Psalm 33.3 says, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Sing praise to God. Sing praise. Sing praise to our king. Sing praise. For the God is the great king of all the earth. Sing praise with understanding. Uh, Keeping on going here. Dancing, uh, Psalm 149.3 says, let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praise with the timbrel and the harp. Psalm 150 verse 4 says, praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Uh, I want to tell you a story about excluding Jesus, my hero of the Bible, and his name is David. I love David. God said David was a man after his own heart. He was an incredible worshiper. In 2 Samuel 6, David, let me just preface it a little bit. David had had lost the presence of the Lord. He had lost the covenant, the, the Ark of the Covenant, and he had recovered it and bringing it back into the city of David. He was bringing the Ark back. So he had recovered the presence of the Lord. And this is what it says, 2 Samuel 6, verse 14. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, who was David's wife, she looked through the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised. Say that with me, despised. She despised him in her heart. Verse 20, then David returned to bless his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, again, David's wife, came out to meet David and said, I'm assuming very facetiously, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself in the eyes of all the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. She really rails him. I mean, she just really rails him for it. And I love what he says to her. 
I love this. And man, I'm not encouraging you to do this by any means. <laughs> so David said to Michael, it was before the Lord. In other words, my dancing, it was before the Lord, not for anyone else to see. Who chose me instead of your father <laughs> and all of his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord of Israel? Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, and I will become even more undignified than this. He told her straight up, like, yo, let, let me tell you, woman. He told her. This wasn't before you or for anybody else to see. And let me tell you, I'll become even more dignified than this. And I'm telling you, as the people of God, it is okay to be a little bit undignified for the presence of our king. <laughs> because he is so great. And the presence of the Lord is the most precious thing that we have on planet earth. It's more precious than gold, diamonds, rubies, and silver. It's the presence of the Lord, and there is nothing more valuable in this whole earth than his presence. And once in a while, it's easy to get undignified for some other things, but I'm telling you, I think we, myself included, could be a little bit more undignified for the presence of our king. All right, um, playing instruments. Psalms 150 says, praise him with the sound of the trumpet, praise him with the lute and harp, praise him with the timbrel and dance, praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. And then I'm gonna switch to the message translation in verse five, it says, I love this, praise him with cymbals and a big bass drum. <laughs> praise him with fiddles and mandolins, let every living, breathing creature praise God, hallelujah. I love that. Uh, moving on, reverence. Psalm 89, 7 says, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. I love this verse right here. Psalm 46, 10 says, be still and know that I am God. I'm telling you, sometimes it's just so great just to be still, not to say a word. There's no words to say, just our praise. You know, it's just, He's such the great God just to be still and quiet. Sometimes in our private prayer life, do you ever find yourself doing all the talking? <laughs> Sometimes we just need to be still and be quiet and let the king of the universe just, just speak to you, just move upon you, just feel his presence in your life. Um, okay, that's all of the... Um, the expressions I want to cover, and I want to go on to, to um, point number two, which was the title of the message, what is the greatest hindrance of worship? What's the greatest hindrance of those expressions in our life? I'm telling you, it's fear. You think, fear, how would fear be a hindrance to those? Fear of people. Fear of what someone might say. Fear of what someone might think. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord, they shall be safe. I love the way the message says it. Same verse, 29, 25 says, the fear of human opinion disables. I love that. So you could define the fear of man as being caring more 
about what people think than what God thinks. Who do we respect more? Who do we honor more in our lives? Men or God? Now let me ask you this, point number three. What causes the greatest hindrance of worship or what causes fear? Genesis 3, 8 through 10 says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Um, the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. That right there is the opposite of worship. Hiding yourself from God is the exact opposite of worship. The Bible says, enter into his presence with thanksgiving and praise. Let me tell you, they hid, and you know why they hid? They hid because of sin. There was no fear until sin came into the world. And then all of a sudden, they were afraid. They were ashamed. Sin causes shame. Shame causes fear. You know, my kids, they're not in here today, and I don't want you to say anything about what I'm fixing to tell you. But they have no shame. Easton's growing out of it a little bit now. He's nine. But my girls, they're five and two. Let me tell you, they will run around the house absolutely butt naked. And I'm like, where, where, where are your clothes? I mean, how, how, you, since when is this okay? You know, you just, you just run around totally naked, and they have zero shame about it whatsoever. That's how a child is. Sometimes, <laughs> I, I'm not condoning no modesty, by the way. But until we know that there's something to be embarrassed about, there is no shame. Until we know that there's something to be afraid of, there is no fear. We get embarrassed to worship because we are ashamed or scared of what people might think of us. We read the verse earlier that says, lift up your hands and bless the Lord in the sanctuary. Just to be real candid with you, it doesn't say if it's okay with your religious background, lift your hands and bless the Lord. I'm telling you, it's okay to express our love to him. It is okay. The word of God totally releases us to do that. So let me ask you this. What conquers fear? What conquers the greatest hindrance of worship? It's acceptance. Acceptance before the Lord. Isaiah 64, 6 says, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. You know, we don't have to be afraid or ashamed because we have been totally accepted by the grace of God. We have been totally forgiven by the grace of God. We have been totally set free by the grace of God. Let me say this. It does not matter if we've had a great week or a cruddy week. We have been totally redeemed and forgiven by the grace of our God. If we could line up all of our days, let's say... This is not a good number probably, but let's say there was 14,000 days. And on day 7,052, 
I had the most incredible day ever. I, read, I led 10 people to the Lord. I prayed and fasted. I didn't even eat the whole day. Like, it was just the most unbelievable, godly, if it, it was like Jesus. I mean, I laid hands on people, and they, like, came back to life. Like, it was an unbelievable day. But then on day 8,052, I had the worst day ever. I had moral failure. I, I did this. I did that. I did that. The worst day ever. Let me tell you, God looks at both of those days, and he sees them no different. He sees them both as filthy rags compared to his righteousness. He does not look at us according to our works or how good or bad we have done. He looks at us through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And there is 100% total acceptance in the grace of our God. Am I condoning any action you want? Absolutely not. But I'm telling you, the grace of God is why we worship. Not because of anything we have or haven't done, but because of everything that he has already done for us. Amen? There's no shame and there's no fear in the presence of our Lord. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace. I'm telling you, there's no safer place than corporate worship. There's no safer place than in your house, in the closet where nobody else sees, and you can just come to him and say, you know it all. You know the good and the bad, and yet you still love me the same, and that's why I worship you here today. That's the love. That's the expression I'm talking about. Y'all still with me? My last point is this. When do we worship? When do we worship? We worship in all things and in all times. Worship is one of the greatest tools in our armory as a child of God, as a, as a, as a member of the army of God. I'm telling you, worship's one of our greatest weapons. Satan hates when we worship. The devil hates it when we enter into the presence of the Lord. You know why? Because in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy forevermore. The devil hates it when we worship. Let me tell you, when's the best time to worship? When we're going through difficulties, we need to worship because he's worthy. When we are experiencing a death of someone close, we need to worship because he's worthy. When things aren't going our way, we need to worship. When we've messed up, we need to worship. I'm telling you, those are the hardest times to worship when your, your flesh just doesn't want to do it. You know, it's like, can I, can I just open my life up to you this morning? Like, I, I was so excited about worship and preaching today. And I, we've had the flu for like 10 days at our house. And the last five days, we were all well. And my wife and I, we were like, ah, oh, peace, like a river, it's flowing down. You know, and everybody's well, right? It's like everything is good. So last night we go on a date and the babysitter calls at like 10 and says, Eden just threw up all on her bed. And we're like, really? Okay, cool. We'll be home. And so Carrie's up all night with Eden. You know, she's sick all night with a stomach bug, right? And I get here this morning and my drummer calls me. He's like, hey, I'm sick. I can't be there. I'm like, really? Okay, that's cool, you know. And then Asher, you know, he's like, he comes in like three minutes after the drummer texts him, and he's like, hey, I, I, I'm fixing to throw up. I, I can't do announcements or anything like that. And I'm like, okay, cool, you know. And it's, those are really little small things, right? But 
but it was a test. I was tested in the very thing I'm speaking to you about. I had a choice right then when everything wasn't lining up, and I could have said, what the? But I didn't. I, I said, praise God. I didn't, I didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like it. I was like, really? But I said, praise God. And I kept saying it, pray, praise, praise God. And in a minute, I was like, praise God. Yeah, praise the Lord. And that's how worship will do. It will change your atmosphere. Don't let your atmosphere change you. Let the presence change your atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? That's what worship does. It brings joy and freedom into our lives. The best time to worship is when things aren't going our way and we don't feel like it. I, I, I dare you. I double dog dare you when life's not treating you good. Start praising them. See what happens. Start praising him. Start, just start lifting him up. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Just start saying that name. It'll bring freedom. I'm going to end with this today. One last story, and then I promise I'll let you go. There was a man, some of you may have heard of him. His name was Horatio Spafford. And he was a lawyer in Chicago. And in 1871, he lost his only son to the great fires in Chicago. He was left with four daughters and his wife. Two years after the fires, they went on a vacation. He sent his family ahead of him to Europe. He was to catch up with them soon. The ship went down. All four daughters perished. He got a telegram with two words from his wife, saved alone. So he got on the ship and was headed to England to meet up with his wife. And he asked the captain of the ship to show him where the ship had gone down. And the captain awoke him in the middle of the night and took him to the mast of the ship so he could look where his family had perished. And he looked into those waters and he took out a pen and he wrote down these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Let's stand and sing. It is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. It
I pray that in all situations and in all circumstances, that you would give us the grace to enter into your presence with thanksgiving, Lord. God, none of us in this room truly know how to worship you. But you say in your word that your Holy Spirit is our teacher. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask you, teach us as sons and daughters of the Most High God to be worshipers. Like David, a man or a woman after your own heart. Teach us, God. Teach us to enter into the presence of the Lord. Teach us to be more like Christ, God. Lord, we just thank you for that in Jesus' name.